Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the podcast with the unpopular opinion that progressive centre-left politics has a lot to offer the modern world. Today, Tuesday the 15th of January, is the big day when Theresa May's withdrawal agreement is voted on by Parliament. I'm Connor Pope and I'll be doing a short look ahead to the vote and how the evening will unfold with Alison McGovern and Stephanie Lloyd before a more detailed assessment on Friday's show. And with a growing culture of harassment from a small cabal of right-wing thugs on the streets outside Parliament, I also talked to Hope Not Hate's Matthew McGregor about the state of the far right in the UK. Before we talk about the big vote itself, should we have a little chat about the amendments? Well, we that, do always take amendments before the main motion. I mean, yeah, I mean... That, the, is, that is procedurally I, how you do it. I wanted to start on the big vote, but you said amendments. Let's go. So amendments Alison, come first. Alison, amendments. What's so, that about? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, so the way that this works, I mean, when any, any anybody really, I suppose, would uh, who's ever sat in a Labour Party or Trade Union branch meeting knows what this is about that basically the government have put their motion down to support their withdrawal agreement and uh, political declaration on the future relationship between ourselves and the European Union. Is this part of your effort not to use the word deal? Yes, well (laughs) spotted. (laughs) Yes, I refer you listeners to many podcasts (laughs) before and a lot of people have tabled different amendments. It would be normal for the speaker to select the amendment of the official opposition and potentially significant other groups. Mm. And when I say significant other groups, like normally what we'd mean by that is like the SNP because they're like the third biggest party in parliament. Under these circumstances, you know, t- today we might see quite significant groups of backbenchers on a cross-party basis supporting amendments. So they mm. would put their names down and they may even, you know, send the, send the speaker a little note saying that they think that this amendment should be selected. And say, for example, you had an amendment that had um, the father of the house, Ken Clark, the mother of the house, Harriet Harman, and several chairs of select committees on it from on a cross-party basis. It's possible that the speaker might select that too. But there's a different pressure here there, here on amendments, which is 
if an amendment was selected that was won, then that would also affect whether or not people would vote for the main motion in support of the government. So say, for example, the Labour amendment won, then actually we wouldn't be voting. The amendment would then become the motion. So we wouldn't then be voting against the deal. And I think the issue there is that a lot of people, are you with me, Connor? Uh, just about, not really, but carry if on. You, if, if, you <laughs> have an emo- if you have a motion and the people who disagree with that motion yeah. amend it, yeah. then their amendment becomes a substantive motion. Right. So they then vote for the motion mm-hmm. because it's their amended version. So their amendment has won. Cool. With me? So, so by the time it comes to the big Brexit vote tonight, it might not actually be on whatever the government want it to be on. No, it depends. Well, it depends if we win the amendment. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what I'm... So this is, this is why amending the motion is complex in these circumstances, because I think a lot of people have focused on the idea that what ought to take priority is, you know, disagreeing with the government. And I think that is a fair point. So what people should watch out for is what amendments are selected, which we'll know once the speaker has... Um, decided and made his ruling which he does in a meeting just before the start of parliament so so how how many amendments might be selected well people have been talking about up to six i mean okay so this is where i think what people have to realize is that the 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 standing orders of the house of commons are quite permissive Mm. and also they are non-legislative so we have a codified an uncodified constitution And a lot of the way that House of Commons works relates to a book that people will have heard of, I would hope, called Erskine May, which was basically, Erskine May was just a book that was produced a long, long, long time ago about how the Commons actually does work. So our rules are a description of how we work. They're not absolutist. So um, the best joke I heard about this last week uh, when... This is uh, not going to be a good joke, is it? It's not. Steady, steady. (laughs) You never know. Try me. So the best joke I heard about this last week when the speaker ruled in an amendment um, last week was uh, one of the clerks saying, well, it's called Erskine May, not Erskine Must. That was the best joke you heard last week. Yeah. <laughs> On uh, we, need to, we need to get you some new friends. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point of that is, is that the rules are about what is done, not, mm. not, they're not, you know, they're not statute in that way. So, so when Steph says how many will be selected, all we all we can say is precedent and what what normally happens. Yeah. But the fact is, this whole situation doesn't normally happen. So we're work- thank God. So we are working at the limits of the constitution. So we don't know really how many will be selected. It mm. depends on the case that's made for different amendments. Um, but we'll know at the start of the session when they're going to be selected, and then uh, we'll have the final day of debate on the issue itself then at the end of that day then the amendments will be put first and then it will be the uh it will be the vote on the government's motion if it is unamended which i don't i don't know as 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 we're sat here i i suspect that there won't be a winning amendment but who knows on a slightly kind of adjacently relevant point erskine may up until this point 
has only been available in hardback form, which costs £400. Yes. And actually, for the first time this year, they're going to make it available online wow. for free. Um, I didn't actually and, know that. Yeah, and that's it. They, this is a niche little tangent that we've yeah, gone they off on, isn't they it? they announced it in December. It actually is really important. It because, is really um, important. Yeah. Even when I was a lobby correspondent, I didn't have access to Erskine Mace. The only way that you understand parliamentary procedures and rules is by talking, is essentially by doing it a lot or speaking to people who have experience of doing it a lot. Yeah, um, and, so, and so actually when you get into... Um, times like this in the past couple of weeks and all the arguments that have had essentially there isn't precedence for a lot of things that are going on so you do have to kind of make it up a bit off off the hoof and then you just have a series of you know parliamentary experts who are the, the keepers of Erskine May uh, to like basically but, um, go on the news and go this is right or this is wrong and no one actually knows so actually this will be a really good thing for you know if this kind of thing happens again whereas actually the rest of us will be able to look at and decide for ourselves it, it sounds it sounds like a weird thing to be pleased about but it's definitely progress mm. the other thing that i think people don't realize is that if we had a codified constitution that was uh that, had, that took a more legislative approach to this sort of thing that there might be downsides as well because i mean what we're finding is that through this process is that it is unpredictable but it's also dynamic and hopefully it means that the house of commons is able to respond to what is a changing situation for the public as well you know it that we're not it in in, in america these situations where you know the the legislature battles the executive happens all the time and it doesn't happen in the uk because of the way that our constitution works and i think that, that hopefully makes us able to be a more dynamic and responsive chamber, although there are downsides. Anyway, we could spend, yeah. people write whole like <laughs> books on just this subject. So, Am I right in thinking the amendments will be starting to vote on from about seven o'clock tonight? Is that right? I, I personally think it'll be a bit later than that. Right. And, and if there are six, which a lot of people seem to think there will be up to six. There and, could be six. And then there's 15 minutes per vote. So then we'd be looking at an hour and a half of voting on amendments, probably, before we get to the the big vote, as I as I keep calling it. Something like that, yeah. yes, yeah. So, the, will we know by the ten o'clock news? Mm. Is the uh, is the big question, and I think we may well do, but it's possible that we might not do. We might be we might be having the big vote in the middle of the ten o'clock news. So, Steph, how do you feel that politics has changed over the past few days? Do you? I mean, last last week you were pretty certain, along with me, to be fair, that the uh, the the vote tonight, the government's going to lose. Yeah, I still I still kind of think that's the case. I still think, although there are a nut, there are a couple of Tory MPs who have come out and changed their mind and said they're going to back the deal, and there's a couple of Labour MPs who have come out and said the same. There's nowhere near the numbers that she's going to need to be able to get that through. I think the big question will not be when she loses, but how much she loses by. I think quite easily looking at triple figures in terms of some of that, it might even go into 200s odd or so within which she loses it. And then obviously she's got three parliamentary days to come back and give her plan B. So next Monday. Basically. Next Monday, yeah. So I think the interesting thing will then be what's Labour's response to that. So does Jeremy then put down this vote of no confidence that they've been talking about for months and months and months? Uh, or is he going to delay it? I think he's going to face 
unbelievable pressure to put that down as soon as possible. I can see a situation where he comes back on after Monday's statement and then maybe puts it down if he says the plan B wasn't good enough. Yep. But, you know, from his performance on Mar on Sunday, which was somewhat underwhelming to say the least, I think, you know, there's still no real leadership on that side of it of where we're going to go next. So I think that will be... That will be the interesting thing that comes up this week. I think it might be slightly less exciting than we were all kind of hoping it would be. Um, I think it will be a bit of a damp squid of a week after the vote goes down. But literally, whoever knows these days. And, so. and tonight you'll be in Parliament Square. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to be with the Labour Say campaign in Parliament Square, um, and then we'll be watching it all kind of come in as it as it does, and kind of history happens yeah. in that sense. But yeah. yeah, we're going to be trying to make sure that you know we're pushing for the vote of no confidence as soon as possible um, from Labour, and also obviously backing a people's vote. Final question: I've got tickets for the snooker at Alexandra Palace on Wednesday night. Am I going to be able to go? What do you think? Do they have Wi-Fi at Ali Valley? I think they do, but you, you, they're kind of... Fra- it's not they're, technically they're, supposed to be emailing whilst they're, watching the snooker. Yeah, they, so you'll be in the frown, bar. They frown on you using your phone while the snooker's on. It's not like the footy. Well, <laughs> it's fine. It's not but like the footy though, where they like... They uh, at Anfield anyway these days are very proud to promote the fact that they have Wi-Fi for you. <laughs> <laughs> so you can immediately tweet your hilarious yeah. hot takes on. So will you just be in the bar for most of the snooker? Sadly. Which to be fair, never knew. Yeah. Not a huge change. <laughs> I expect to see you. Outrageous. Burn. <laughs> yeah, so, I think it's a Wednesday. I Why think not? what time does the snooker start? Seven. May. This is not looking good. Yeah, see I but I went with theatre tickets this week, but Monday and Friday. Fine. What are you going to see? The Inheritance. Oh. Yeah. It's supposed to be very good. My commitment to kind of eight hour long plays on the AIDS epidemic is, this is the second one in the past uh, past 12 months I'd have seen. So solid commitment there. Good. (laughs) Anyway, we'll pick up more of this conversation on Friday with a a special kind of long episode about this vote. Um, But do stick with us because next I'll be speaking to Matthew McGregor from Hope Not Hate about the rise of the far right. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm here with Matthew McGregor, head of campaigns at Hope Not Hate. Matthew, I wanted to start on the the yellow jacket so-called protesters that have been targeting uh, people such as uh, Anna Subri and Owen Jones outside of Parliament in recent weeks. 
how much do we know about these people and and are they part of a wider kind of extreme right wing ecosystem um yes is the is the is the short answer the, the longer answer <laughs> you know what do we know about them I think we can tell a lot about the kind of people they are just from the videos that we've seen online over the last uh, week or longer. If you've, if you know, um, they've been at this for a, for a little while now. They're deeply, deeply unpleasant people, um, and I think that's important before you get onto the politics and the ideologies of this stuff. This is a small, a group of highly organised, um, uh, deeply unpleasant uh, far right activists and. Uh, before we get too much into it, I just I think it's worth saying they don't they don't they genuinely don't represent most Leave voters. They genuinely don't represent a large group of people. Most people don't want to see this kind of stuff going on. However, you voted in the referendum. F- frankly, I mean, I, I walk past those um, protesters on College Green every day, and the Remain protesters down there. Basically, their message is that these people don't even represent the majority of Leave protesters on College Green. There are kind of different. <laughs> right, right. Most of them They're have. Voters. Yeah, they have. Uh, most of the Leave campaigners have Leave mean Leave uh, flags, but generally are kind of okay, and they chat to them. Whereas there's this small contingent of. Uh, yeah, I, mean, folks, I, think, I think. I think one of the things that will one of the things that uh, gives me hope about. Um, how difficult this period of British politics is, is at the end of the day, I think most British people don't like all that kind of nonsense and mm. it's all a bit, you know, uncomfortable and, well, why can't we just, you know, let's just move on. Yeah. <laughs> let's not argue about it. Let's yeah. change the subject. So I hope that I hope that the the, the vast majority of people um, get their way on that. Um, but in terms of these this, this group of people, um, James Goddard is the person that has been uh, most high profile. He's mm. the person that's been leading this over the last, you know, six or eight weeks or so. Um, they started wearing the yellow vests uh, just before Christmas as the French protests um, got a lot of attention here. He's a long-standing far-right activist. Um, he has uh, a, 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 a you know big social media presence across mm. not just Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, but also um, social networks like Gab, uh, which is this kind of free speech, so-called free speech social network, which right. is dominated by uh, the 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 most kind of vile, unpleasant, uh, hard right mm. views that you can imagine. Um, and on those platforms, he's a, you know, a long history of, of posting really virulent anti-Muslim uh, comments, many of which are uh, quite violent in their tone. Um, but but really set him aside from um, uh, uh, most other uh, activists. He's a he's a, a very hardline person. He's got links with people like Timothy Scott, a former soldier uh, mercenary who was the kind of founding leader of Pegida UK. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Um, it didn't last very long. He, no, no, no. His first interview as as leader of that organisation was so catastrophic that uh, his uh, <laughs> fellow comrades asked him to stand down. It's on Channel Four. <laughs> I really encourage people to watch it. It's on YouTube. Um, it is. It should be used in in media training classes. It was. It was so. I mean, I couldn't watch to the end. It was so embarrassing. But there are other people involved. Jack Sen, former UKIP candidate, um, who was uh, sacked from UKIP for um, uh, posting anti-Semitic uh, tweets. Nick Griffin is encouraging um, uh, this kind of. Uh, uh, campaigning behavior. So this is a, he's still around. Yeah, he is still around. Yeah, he got thrown out of Hungary a little while ago. So he's he's back looking for a way, you know, a way to get into 
um, uh, frontline politics again, and, and he's kind of around. You know, a lot of these people have been involved in the protests last year in support of Stephen Lennon, aka Tommy Robinson. Mm-hmm. James Goddard actually spoke at one of the so-called Free Tommy uh, yeah, rallies. Yeah. Uh, James Goddard has been photographed with Jared Batten, yeah, the leader yeah. of uh, of UKIP. So th- th- these are this is a small group of people, but they're highly organised. This isn't some kind of upswell of anger that has been caused by the Brexit debate. It is a group of people who are trying to ride off the right. back of the divisions being uh, exposed by the Brexit debate and and manipulate that for their own far right ends. So you mentioned Gab there, which I never heard of but i think there's a lot of other far right especially news sites that frankly i never come across but appear to be under the surface doing quite well what what do we know about them well i mean facebook is the is the is the key driver of Mm. um that kind of mix It's it's a it's sort of a swirl of uh, some fake news, some manipulated news, mm. some straight reporting of news, but with a far right spin on it, and that is a big driver. You're starting to see um, straight up fake news websites uh, uh, or uh, websites that have a kind of a neutral sounding name um, that are being used to drive some of the the content that they think will help them. Britain First, I think, pioneered this, and uh, you know, a real mix of virulent anti-Muslim content mixed in with an opinion poll about whether some character on Coronation Street should be thrown off or not. Right. And, you know, it's a it's quite a savvy mix of of tabloid-esque content mixed in with some um, dog whistle racism or outright racism. Are there a lot of these sites? In the UK, they just aren't as, they aren't as prevalent as they are in the US. The US, I think, has been um, uh, at the forefront of these kinds of challenges. And in that um, that was the that was the kind of pond that the, mm. the Russians were able to fish in because it was kind of standard to see these you know, weird, neutral sounding named websites and you know groups being thrown up from uh, here, there, and everywhere. We haven't seen it as much in the UK, but it is it is starting to emerge. But the I think the threat that we're seeing with the yellow vests is originating more in a much school, smaller group of much more organised people who are using sites like Gab, 4chan, 8chan places where they are kind of plotting out what lines of attack to use, how to organize, where to, where to demonstrate, and then using the more uh, 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 you know, prevalently used mm. uh, ch- uh, platforms like YouTube and Facebook to um, then pop uh, 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 get their content uh, spread around more widely. So, you know, the very confrontational videos that James Goddard has been making are in a deliberate attempt to get clicks and create controversy and and create attention to grow his own followings, mm. to raise money online through platforms like PayPal or Patreon. Um, and you his know, Patreon got taken down this week, didn't it? He's been taken down from Patreon. He's been taken down from PayPal. He's been removed from Facebook. Um, he hasn't been removed from Twitter, which I think is interesting. I think he's been a little bit more careful about what he says on Twitter and Twitter um, kind of has a, a, an approach of being very um, rigid in sticking to exactly what's posted on Twitter, not what's happening right, right. in a wider context. But, you know, it's been a very bad week for James Goddard in that sense, <laughs> in that the infrastructure that he has mm. used to um, push his message has been has been removed. And I think that's a really important lesson for um, progressives to to take. Are the, you say that there's a small number that are very organised, but are they in organisations? Because it felt a few years ago we had the BMP, the EDL, blah blah blah. 
But but now it feels like there isn't. I don't know of a single prominent far right group that seems to have its head yeah. and shoulders above the rest. I, exactly right. Um, I mean, we're in a sort of weird um, situation in which the traditional far right, as we mm. understood it, you know, the National Front or the mm. British National Parties um, of the world are smaller and less relevant than they've been in a generation. Yeah. Yet at the same time, the threat from the far right is higher than it has been for a, a really long time. There are new organisations, you know, some of the people involved in um, uh, these protests are part of a group called Liberty Defenders. But these these groups are kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're throwaway names just to have as a, as a badge. Yeah. My colleague Matthew Collins, who's our uh, head of intelligence, uh, calls them DIY fascists, <laughs> and I think I think that that's something we need to really um, think about and and learn how to adapt to that yeah. strategy. They um, uh, are able to move, keep you know, keep on moving. We're not we're not facing an electoral threat. Um, organizationally, they're 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 weak or don't even try to create organizations. Um, yet they're able to turn up at these uh, protests, um, uh, stretch the police quite thin. Uh, harass and abuse rather than commit acts of violence. Mm. Um, so trying to keep on the right side of the law as much as they they can. And then whenever they are stopped, if they cross the line, if the police uh, intervene or if they're called out on it, immediately go to the kind of free speech debate that they're being shut down, they're being uh, silenced and so on. And that's a, that's a problem as well. Obviously, the most prominent group associated with a lot of these people now is um, UKIP. Where do they fit into all of this? UKIP have, um, you know, there's, I think there's a real problem for us with with UKIP um, and thinking ahead to the local elections. I think it's something we need to start mm. thinking about and talking about. They are seen by the overwhelming majority of people in Britain as the Brexit party, the the yeah. anti-Europe party. They just bang on about Europe all of the time. And so any time that Europe becomes a big issue, their vote goes up, their uh, standing in the polling goes up yeah. by two or three points. Actually, they are a party that has become, over the last 12, 18 months, completely and totally obsessed with Islam and uh, hatred of uh, Muslims. Jared Batten, the leader of, of UKIP at the moment, uh, uh, is, is virulently anti-Muslim. Uh, the speeches he's given at protests over the last year have been some of the most anti-Muslim uh, hate speech that we've seen uh, on a public platform like that in, in a long time. And so, uh, you know, there's that that challenge that, People don't know that these people are a far-right party now. Hmm. Uh, and so they could benefit from a, a, a Brexit fallout uh, and use that to drive an anti-Muslim agenda. And so I, th I think that's a real a real threat. The other thing that is going on within UKIP is, on, one, on the one hand, uh, Jared Batten is continuing to move them to the right. He's trying to um, get uh, Stephen Lennon, uh, Tom Robinson, to uh, become a member of the party. Hmm. And on the other hand, um, some of the more traditional uh, UKIP headbangers have, have left. And so there's a space sort of between the Tories and UKIP for a, potentially a new party to come out. Nigel Farage is thinking about that. Yeah. Has he left UKIP yet? Did I make that up? He's, he was going to over the Robinson stuff, I think. Yeah. I mean, he's sort of, he's sort of been a bit confusing about it, and you know, in his usual way. I mean, he sort of implied that he has, um, um, and, and I think I think he has. Um, lots of the other uh, MEPs um, have resigned, um, and I think he's likely to launch a new effort, probably ahead of the local elections. Mm, right, okay. And, and so Tommy Robinson uh, obviously had this kind of half offer to become a UKIP advisor on the table. There was, um, you know, quite a big hoo-ha about that, that it didn't seem it kind of happened in the end. 
what is he doing? What is his role? Because it felt like he disappeared for a couple of years. And then in the past year or so, he, he really has returned. Well, he disappeared into prison for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> Before that. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's, he's, he, is, he is somebody who's a bit all over the place. I mean, he's, he's, he doesn't want to be um, bogged down in, in the minutiae of leading a, a party, didn't have a good time leading the EDL. There's nonsense over money and egos and all of the other kind of stuff. And so I think he's quite happy to be causing trouble, live streaming, mm. uh, uh, making a ton of money uh, doing so. He's got incredibly deep links now in the US and Australia, and he's seeking to kind of popularize himself yeah, rather yeah. than uh, build and lead uh, a movement. That does seem to be the link between all of these. They, they don't work in organizations. They have their own Patreon. You can support my work and this kind of stuff. It, you know, On a much smaller level, it was essentially what James Goddard was doing. He doesn't want to be part of a, a team that you raise money for. He just wants... Right. And um, that, I mean, there was a report in the Sunday Times just before Christmas that um, uh, Stephen Lennon had two million quid in his uh, Stripe account, the, uh, his donations uh, system. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, he's also, uh, has he has built an incredible profile. Uh, the number of people that watch his videos is huge. Yeah. And, you know, that that is a, that is a real problem. Um, I think that um, as, you know, we move closer to Brexit and past, past it probably uh he is a he is a big big threat to uh community cohesion and and you know division in this country um finally what kind of work is hope not hate doing on all of this kind of stuff and um how can our listeners support your work <laughs> thank you for asking that <laughs> team me up um uh, well, I mean, you know, we 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 try to apply a range of of tactics. I mean, we have a, a research team that tries to track and understand who is doing what, and um, not just um, in retrospect, but uh, looking ahead to what they might do next. Mm. Um, we uh, uh, try to disrupt and divide the far right, um, or just take down organisations. Last year, there was a big trial of members of a banned neo-Nazi group called National Action, uh, uh, several of uh, members of which were plotting to try and murder a, a Labour MP. Yeah. And um, thanks to the work of, a, of an informer inside National Action, working with Hope Not Hate, we were able to uh, foil that plot and, and take down the organisation. Um, we also do campaigns, uh, public-facing campaigns. We ran a campaign at the end of last year to um, try and block Stephen Lennon's visit to the United States He's actually on a visa ban for entering the United States <laughs> illegally. Um, uh, but given his friends in high places in Washington, D.C., we were very worried that they would uh, be able to successfully secure a visa waiver. We ran a campaign to try and stop that. Mm. We've also been working with social media platforms to try and highlight where members of the far right have a broken terms of service. We've encouraged those platforms to try and tighten up their terms of service. Yeah and uh try to disrupt the far right in that way but also looking more deeply at you know those are those are kind of trying to stop the symptoms of something that's gone wrong yeah. in the country more deeply you know brexit it, it in itself wasn't a particularly you know 17.2 million people hadn't read through the you know founding treaties of the european union and decided that they weren't quite right it was about uh, much deeper uh, yeah. things about in their lives. And so we do a lot of work um, to try and see where does fear and hope and loss and uh, all of those kind of things 
what is driving them and uh, how can they be tackled? My colleague Rosie Cooper traveled 16,000 miles in the last 18 months going to uh, focus groups across the country. Uh, we've, we polled um, tens of thousands of people and, and applied really sophisticated and thoughtful data analysis to that to try and understand what are the drivers of hate, yeah, what yeah. are the drivers of fear and, and loss. And uh, working in communities to try and steer people away from destructive and, and hateful solutions towards more hopeful <laughs> solutions mm-hmm. is in the name. Um, so it's, it's a kind of a, a range of work. And like a lot of organizations, we don't have the resources to do all of the things that we want to do and feel like we need to do. The work specifically that uh, tries to uh, attract and expose and disrupt the far right is funded by a the Hope Action Fund, which yeah. is a, a membership uh, scheme that people can join, uh, so to, you know, sign up as a direct debit. That that money goes directly to fund the work that pulled down National Action and and for that murder plot that uh, we'll be tracking yellow vest protests over this weekend. We're expecting you know double figures of protests around the country this weekend, um, and that tracking and exposing of those is funded by the Hope Action Fund. More than a thousand people have joined so far. Um, so if your uh, listeners want to support that work, that's the that's the number one thing they can do. Great. We'll put a link to the Hope Action Fund uh, under this podcast. Um, Matthew, thank you very much. Thank you. No pub quiz this week. That's because we have a special episode lined up. We'll be back on Friday with a look back at this week's vote. Make sure you subscribe now on iTunes, Spotify, or Acast so you don't miss that. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music was When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And many thanks to the brilliant Caroline Crampton who produced this podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. 
code PROGRAM.